All right, good afternoon. Thank you all so much for coming. My name is Ben Comer, and I am part of the creation team uh, staff here um, for this year's festival, as well as uh, working on the event all year long. And uh, we are so blessed to be able to have all of you here. Um, if you haven't already heard, just to give you a, a little insight to what's coming, uh, next year is our 40th anniversary celebration. Yeah. And we're so excited to be able to celebrate with all of you that have been coming for many years, or maybe for some, with some of you, maybe this is your first year ever coming. And we, are, we have some special things planned. Uh, hopefully we'll have at least one artist announcement before the festival ends. Potentially two of, of the headliners we'll know uh, for next year's uh, event. But after 40 years of Pastor Harry leading this amazing event, we're going to really blow it out and throw the biggest party that we possibly can. So we, we encourage you to, uh, to plan to come back. Um, you may or may not know this, but you can buy 2018 tickets now. They are on sale. And the prices that we have, whether it's a group of 15 or individuals, it is the cheapest price that you'll have all year long. And so if you're able to purchase now, it helps us in planning ahead, but also gives you the biggest financial uh, discount um, for next year's event as well. So as I said, my name is Ben Comer, and I'm privileged to partner partner with Bill Darpino. How many of y'all know who Bill Darpino is? Oh, he's the most awesome, my favorite uh, festival person you could ever imagine. One of my best friends uh, in life now, even though we've only been working together for the last three years. And so just to kind of give you a little backstory, one of the reasons why myself and some of the other creation team members, as well as some of the local pastors that are a part of the festival, while we're doing more of the speaking this year is we wanted to be able to you to be able to see who we are as a festival and really represent who what that is and kind of get a little of the backstory of 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 our ministry of who we are and many, maybe some of you are many of you are probably amazing ministers in your own right and we'll hopefully be able to include you in the years to come but we're so excited um, to be able to be a part of this so as you may or may not know, Pastor Harry and a gentleman named Tim Landis founded Creation uh, 39 years ago. And from that, uh, Mr. Tim stepped away years ago and sold to another ministry, his half of Creation Festival. And Troy Duhon, the, the gentleman that I work for, he bought that 50% four years ago. And so we have been uh, just so blessed to be able to be a part of this. I'm still, for those of you that have been around a while, I'm definitely still a newbie with this being only my fourth festival here. Uh, but I'm having a blast uh, getting to know all these different things and being able to take some other uh, ministry experiences over the years and applying them to uh, this amazing event. All right, so before I get, too, get started too, fa too fast, I do have some of my family here. Some of my other family will be coming here in just a little bit. I have my, my beautiful wife, Shelly, sitting right here in the crowd, right down there. And then my, uh, my youngest son, Andrew, and my youngest daughter, Lizzie. Thank you so much for coming and, and being here with Dad. Um, one of the other things, one of the reasons why Troy and I were so attracted to being a part of Creation Festival is because of why you're sitting right here. 
that this is uh, a music festival that values so much the spoken word of God and that the, that the Bible would be preached and taught and that transformation would take place in all different facets, whether it be in your campsite, through where you're encouraging each other, or in the, the main arena, or through uh, one of the speakers here uh, this week. And so we are thrilled to continue to bring tribute to our creator through music, preaching the word, Christian fellowship, and most importantly, seeing lost souls come to know Christ as their Savior. As Bill, myself, and the creation team plan not just for the 40th anniversary, but for the next 40 years. We will not lose sight of the triumphs and values of the past, but dreaming of how to continue to innovate to reach more loss with the gospel while encouraging the journey together, uh, the, the growth journey of all of our of the believers here. So I'd like to uh, take a quick survey. I'd like to try to see if we could figure out who has traveled the farthest. Okay, so if you have traveled over a 1,000 a miles or more, can you please raise your hand? All right, thank you. Okay, have you traveled 1,500 miles or more? Keep your hand up. I did. I'm, I'm, I live in New Orleans, and so my family and I, you'll see the four of us, we traveled just over 1,500 miles. Okay, anybody traveled 2,000 miles? Say again. Okay. From Australia. Okay, that that's awesome. Anyone physically here? Oh, how, how how far did they travel from? Arizona. Anybody further than Arizona? Say again. Norway, that's further than Arizona. Okay, so uh, so the Australia, if the Australian person comes and the Norway person, if you could see me later, I have a, a prize for you. There's a thing called Harry Bucks, where it's our uh, Pastor Harry's picture on it, and it works just like dollars in the concession stand. So we want to thank you for coming so far away. I'd love to be able to give you uh, some Harry Bucks to be able to uh, celebrate on us. Thank you so much uh, for coming and being a part of this. Well, one of my favorite parts of coming to Creation Northeast is driving the RV in and out. And I just love the adventure of it all. I didn't grow up RVing. My dad never owned one. We didn't do a lot of camping. I did some tent camping growing up uh, with our, our church group, but I never had, had done this on any level. But when we first bought in, uh, Troy decided, well, you're going to need an RV because you got four kids. And so Pastor Harry graciously sold us his RV. So I drive. Some, some of the uh, volunteers and supervisors were initially a little bitter, thinking that we stole Pastor Harry's RV from him. But that was not true. We purchased it. And uh, he was very gracious, uh, just him needing to move on from the joy of having a, a wonderful coach like that. But the other thing that's so much fun about Having Pastor Harry's RV, and besides the fact that it's really an uh, amazing uh, blessing to us, is that we have Pastor Harry's knowledge and wisdom on how to run an RV. And uh, he loves it when we call him. He really thinks it's fun when we call him and ask him questions because he's known this, um, this vehicle inside and out since 2003. So he likes to help us. He came over actually today and uh, helped us with a problem that we were having. 
but in some cases he likes to laugh at me instead of with me, if you might imagine. So uh, we have a great time together, but it does make the craziness a little easier to handle whenever you have a, an advocate like him, but also that we can make it a little fun as we go. So last year we traveled 5,000 miles from here, and then we went to three other festivals because, as I said, I'm new to the festival environment, so I was trying to learn from some of our sister ministries that we don't run. And so we traveled a total of 5,000 miles, and I'm going to share a few of our adventures uh, on there just to kind of give us a backdrop for the idea of a journey. And today, as you probably saw in the, um, in the announcement of the description, the, the journey of forgiveness. So imagine with me, you're driving a big bus, it's 43 feet long, it's really wide, so like the difference between the, the width of the lane and your width is just a foot on each side, or at least it feels that way, and so I'm driving, and then you, it starts raining, and you turn the windshield wipers on, and the passenger windshield wiper decides it's going to flip all the way over on the other side of the coach, and it's just kind of flapping over there, not doing anything, and then the driver's side Windshield wiper is doing a little bit, but it's just not really catching that much water. Well, thankfully, I'm from Louisiana, and so I've been in a lot of rain, and thankfully, we didn't get very much rain last year in the five uh, weeks that we were on the road doing 5,000 miles, and so we made it through the rain with windshield wipers because we tried to get them fixed several times on the road, and we never could because of our schedule, never were able to be able to find someone that could actually replace them and fix the, the ones that weren't working. So we were, we were doing what every good RVer does. We were duct taping things. We duct taped things together, and uh, at least we held it from uh, falling all the way off. So then we would also drive at night sometimes because we have young children. We want them to sleep and rest and make it easier, and then when we get there, we get to have fun. So we're there, and we're doing all that, and then one night my wife looks at me and says, do you, have any, do you even have the lights on? Are they on? I'm like, oh, yeah, they're on. Look, watch, turn it off, turn it off. Oh, see, it's way brighter. Well, we get home, and uh, there was someone else that had used our RV and had wrecked it, and they had had some body work done, and guess what they did to the headlights? They painted over them. And so for five weeks in the dark, I was driving an RV that had the headlights painted over, and so literally it was just the light coming out of the sides of the headlights. Unbelievable. My eyesight is better than what I thought it was to be able to make it through there. So then, if you know anything about an RV, I just say two words and you already start laughing. It's called leveling jacks. So if you've ever been in a situation where you put the jacks down and then you can't get them back up, it's not any fun. But thankfully, I, uh, Pastor Harry has coached me through it and I've gotten the jacks up and we have gotten back on the road. The uh, two last examples of, of some of the adventure, quote, adventure of, of an RV. So we have, as all cars have now, you know, there are beeping sounds and there are uh, check engine lights and all these things. And so I, I had this amazing opportunity to be able to fight a beeping sound that meant absolutely nothing, but would come on either every 30 seconds, every three minutes, or every 30 minutes. And I could silence it, but then it might come back on three seconds later or 10 seconds or 20 seconds or three hours later. We might have that much peace and quiet. And so that was an exciting thing that did not get resolved until we finally made it home to our mechanic there. Lastly, has anybody ever heard of the idea that at Walmart 
you can bring an RV and sleep in their parking lot for free. Anybody ever heard that story before? Yeah, me too. And so I would go into the RV parking lots, and I would park there and be so excited, be so thankful. I would make the beds. I'd be happy to park and make the beds and get my little kids down. And my older two and my wife would go into Walmart and buy the things that we need. And then almost like clockwork at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, someone would start banging on the door of our RV. And we were like, sir, why, Mr. Security Guard, why are you telling us we have to move? Well, this is a, this, this Walmart is different than others. Walmart doesn't own this property, and so you can't park here. That didn't happen one time. That didn't happen two times. That happened three times. So be careful. Walmart is sometimes good, sometimes not. So, uh, and it really made my wife really feel thankful as well. She was really excited, especially the one time when the security guard said, you can't park here, but there's an abandoned grocery store over there. You feel free to go over there if you want to. That really made her feel secure and, and really happy. Uh, Dr. Gary Smalley has stated that camping and RVing are the greatest ways to make family memories, not because everything goes perfectly, but because the challenges produce so many memories. Shelly, my amazing wife, does not think it's fun to make lunch while we're driving down the road. To me, it feels like efficiency. It feels like this is the right thing to do. It's being really, really using time wisely. And so, of course, please, Make the sacrifice and do it. RVing is so much like life. Challenges are going to come, and it doesn't matter how much we love Christ, we will still experience rain, darkness, buzzers beeping constantly, feeling jacked up, and people banging on our doors. It has been said that 10% of life is what happens to you, and 90% of life is how you respond. Are you going to respond, how are you going to respond when someone wrongs you? I mean, really betrays you, not hurt your feelings because they stole the last Diet Coke from your campground, but somebody that really hurts you. What's the biblical answer? Forgiveness. But if we hang on to unforgiveness, you might have heard this phrase, it's like eating rat poison and believing the other person will die. Unforgiveness will destroy you. So let's turn, if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 and then hold your finger and look at Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read two different passages uh, from there. Matthew 18, starting in verse number 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So that's a big number. 70 times seven. I'm a math major. I actually have a degree in math. That means that's a lot of forgiveness, and that's just repetitive. And a lot of theologians think, believe that that is not just, it's just not a one-time deal, but that's the idea of every day choosing to forgive that amount of time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much uh, for today. And we thank you for all these amazing people that are here at the festival. We thank you for those that are here in this seminar with us. God, we ask you just to come in and speak to every heart in just the right way to be able to illuminate one truth that's going to help them in their journey through life and in their journey of forgiveness. We just ask your blessing on our time together in your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In February of 2014, my wife and I uh, were leading a ministry that was uh, we had led for 12 years uh, to the public schools of New Orleans. I, I'm, I have, I'm from a small town not far outside of New Orleans. My wife is from New Orleans. Uh, we currently have been living there and doing ministry for 22 years. In 2014, that was 19 years of ministry that we had been doing. And for 12 years, we had taken a, a small uh, campus club ministry to the public school, Bible club, but really more of an evangelism club idea where we were seeing people come to know the Lord and we were funneling them into the churches. And God had blessed it immensely uh, where we had grown it about 10 times, exactly 10 times the size that it was when we took over in 2002 until 2014. And the financial budget, we had been able to expand 25 times what it was when we originally started in 2002. And so in February, we had this uh, crazy scenario that happened where two of our senior leaders of that ministry betrayed us. And uh, we were asked to resign by the board, and uh, we were, it was over. It was over and done with. And uh, we could not believe that these two leaders that we had raised up, one was just a Young kid just graduating from college and it worked for us for seven, eight years before this had happened, that they would turn on us. It was the greatest challenge we had ever faced in the first 19 years of ministry and marriage. We had given our life to this ministry and now we had to start all the way over. If you've ever been rocked by betrayal, if you, if you have not been rocked by betrayal, one day it will happen. That, that was, for me, the 10% of life, and then I had to decide what my response was going to be, my 90% response was going to be. For some of you, your forgiveness journey looks totally different where it's not betrayal. Maybe you were abused as a child much younger than I was whenever I was rocked at the age of, of 42 and thinking that you know, I had a set future and it, I had to totally remake what the plan was going to be for my life. Or maybe your crisis was was more of a pain from the loss of a loved one, of a child. And maybe your unforgiveness is not toward a person, but maybe in many cases it, it can be an unforgiveness of God. So no matter what, we all face a forgiveness challenge. At some point in our life, we will be faced with this opportunity to either hang on to something and let unforgiveness eat us up to the point where we become embittered or we choose to walk in forgiveness. In my case, my 90% response, enter, you enter my friend Troy Duhon. 
He called me the night that I was forced into resigning by the board and offered me a consulting job. Three months later, we partnered with Creation, as I shared with you already, and now I have a whole new broader ministry track, not just localized to New Orleans, but with Creation and another ministry that I oversee for Troy, uh, where we are able to do ministry all around the world. So one of the scriptures that, that God had really laid on my heart way before this had ever happened is Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. And I had been that person for other friends before, for many years. And so thankfully, I was now reaping that when, with Troy calling me the day that I had been just rocked and unbelievably ambushed and not seen anything coming, he had chosen uh, to be that type friend to me. So when Shelly and I first met with our counselor after the betrayal, he said, now you will find out who your real friends are. And he was right more than I could have ever imagined. I have... As I said, I have been that brother of adversity for many people, but to now see it reversed, it takes a lot of effort. When you know someone's in a struggle, it takes a lot of boldness to be able to call them and say, hey, how are you doing? Irregardless of what the facts may be, trying to find out just how the person is. And so that's what some of my dear friends were willing to do for me. God, me, God had me in a new place of service. But I still had a big issue. I had major unforgiveness in my heart. When Shelly and I met with our counselor, he hinted that I was suppressing anger. He was right, but I couldn't see it until six months after the betrayal happened. I was the man. I had to make the money work. I had to make everything come together. There was no way I had time to be able to be depressed or to be able to deal properly with what was really going on in my emotions. If we are going to respond to challenges correctly, then we have to allow God to make, to, to make, those, to make those challenges. We cannot, uh, and we cannot long for the past. We have to embrace the new opportunity. So many times in life we say, God, I want to be who you want me to be. But then when he does things to refine our character, we're like, oh, no, that's not what I'll, God, get me out of this. Well, I was in it, and so now I had to see what God was wanting to do in me that was going to transform me into who he was making me to be. So one day as I was in a ministry meeting, I ran into some of the people who had betrayed us, not just the two main ones, but several others. And anger just came all over me. Six months, this is exactly, almost exactly six months of the day. And I quickly made a list of 25 people that I hated, not disliked, not that I was angry with, but I knew at that moment that I hated them. And thankfully, I had the wisdom to reach out to five of my closest friends, and I text them, hey, I just realized what's going on, and I hate these 25 people. And different ones of them responded different ways, and some of them were like, oh, my goodness. You know, one of my friends from college, he was like, oh, how could you be mad at that many people? You know, this, that, and the other. He lives in Houston. He's a great friend. And, and they all had great advice. They all had things that they were willing to be able to share. And so when you're in this place of crisis, if you just try to figure it out yourself, you're probably going to have a longer road. You may, God's, God's faithful, and he probably will help you walk it out. But if you reach out for help, there's a better chance that the journey is going to go a little bit easier. And so I began 
to process through some of these ideas and see how we could begin the journey, me and my wife also, to begin the journey of forgiveness. So I don't know, we had heard this phrase, maybe new to you, but the idea of forgive, release, and bless. And so making a choice to forgive the offense, release it totally where they are not, they don't owe you anything, even though you they may have done you wrong, and then choosing to bless them, not necessarily financially, but sometimes that's a good thing, but at least with your words, speak blessings over them. Well, at that point, I couldn't push through to do that. I was just in that place of, of anger and hatred that I, it just wasn't working for me. And uh, years before that, Shelly had been incredibly blessed by a pastor who was encouraging us in an area of forgiveness that had happened from Shelly growing up. And they had said, hey, you need to forgive this, we'll call him Jim, every time you have a negative thought. Every time you think of something, you drive by a uh, McDonald's. Well, that you had a bad incident at that McDonald's, and so that causes you to be angry. That causes you to have a, a negative feeling. Well, you need to choose to say, I forgive Jim every time one of those th thoughts pop up. And so that had been a huge win and really helped Shelly with another whole, whole other journey that she had been on. But that didn't seem like that was working for me. It just wasn't. It was too many people. It was too many scenarios. It was all around me because we were still, we, we were unsure of what we were going to do, but we, God really spoke to us that we were staying in New Orleans. And so we had, we had labored there for all these years, and now we still had all these memories and all these uh, negative relationships that we thought everyone was against us, which wasn't true. And so it was just these, all of this pressure and time, and we're like, what is going to work? Well, um, I, one of my friends, uh, he said, he told me this story based on Matthew 5.44 that I read earlier. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so Van told me the story about his relationship with his father. And so his father was a very good businessman. He was very much all about money. He was all about that. And there was a, they had a big fight about money. And Van even asked him, he said, look, it feels like to me that you're more concerned, you value money more than you do mom and I. He said, oh, absolutely. His dad told him that. Oh, I absolutely value money more than my wife or my only child. And so Van was in this really bad place. This was years ago. He's, he's my age. He's, he's, I'm 46. He's around that same age. And he, um, this was when he was in college. He was going through this. And so he knew the scripture, and he was, God was bringing this to his mind. And he knew he couldn't love his enemy. He was seeing his dad as his enemy, and he couldn't bless him, and he couldn't do good to them. But he decided he could pray for them. He said, I'll, I'm going to start there. I'm going to start at prayer. I'm going to pray for my dad. So for 30 days, he would pray for his dad. And then 30 more days, he began to get to the place where he could bless his dad. He could say those, those blessing words. And miraculously, after 60 days, his dad had a total transformation of, of his whole attitude about finances and about family and relationships. And that was totally resolved in only 60 days. And I was like, okay, this sounds like a good idea to me because Van said he started out praying the prayer like this. He said, God, I pray that you bless Doug with a good day even though I don't really mean it. 
I said, I can do that. That is honest. I, that is real honesty, and I can really do that. And so that's what we started doing. Shelly and I would pray together, and we would say, God, would you please bless Doug with a good day, even though I don't really mean it. And we did that for day after day after day, and we'd throw in Steve, and we'd throw in David, and all these other names that we would throw in. And because we were working on all these forgiveness, all these different people we were working on this forgiveness journey with. Um, and so that was, that was huge, that that began to soften our hearts, and we began to be able to make progress in all of those things. But the other thing that God brought to me was the idea of journaling. And so if you're on a journey for any, any kind of spiritual journey, I cannot emphasize enough how much this book, for me, is just a simple book that was $8.99 at Walmart. Uh, it's not even, uh, this is pleather. This is not leather. This is pleather. It's, it's, it's maybe plastic. This may not even be pleather. But um, it, it's, it's at that level. But it's got lines on the inside of these pages, and I put a lot of words in these lines. And God has talked to me so much through an app that I discovered literally Five days before I was forced into resigning. So God gave me a gift five days before tragedy was going to hit. And so it's called the 21 Brain Detox. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. It's by a, it's a, it's a, a dear uh, Christian believer from Australia as well. Her name is Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And she's a neurologist. And um, she's done all kind of study on the brain, and so she's written a bunch of books. But the app, I, I've read one of the books, but for me, the app is what has done it for me because it's the daily routine. For me, it is a daily routine of a personal counseling session with the Bible, the scriptures that she has in that app, and what God's speaking to me. And so... The idea is, just to share real briefly with you, is that you take, tw you take one toxic thought and you work on it for 21 days to turn it into a positive thought. And I'm going to explain to you what that means in just a minute. And then you start a new toxic thought and then you work on it for 21 days. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're reinforcing that first toxic thought for another 21 days. And then you add a third one. And then so the first one now you literally work on for 63 days to really solidify it from a negative thought to a positive thought. And then you're keeping adding too. So I have done that for most of the last three and a half years. I've taken a few breaks where I said, okay, I'm going to take a few breaks for a, a couple months. The first year of Creation Festival, I took a two-month break. So I've actually done 49 cycles of toxic thought. Not all of them on forgiveness. Unless you think, hey, this guy was a bad speaker, bad idea for a speaker. He's still got too much issues to be able to talk to us about. Uh, but anything that's anxiety, like, oh, we're never going to have enough money. You know, whatever your, your need might be. And so it's the idea of, hey, I'm going to talk to God about my need, but I'm going to let God talk to me about the solution, and I'm going to journal about it so that I know, and then I'm going to meditate on the solution all day long rather than, being eaten up with the anxiety of what's not working. And so that was the journey. So then from there, I was able to not just forgive, not just release, not just bless. But after two years, I had 
you know, I was done eating rat poison. I was said that's the end of that. I was I was not going to do that. I was not going to do anything um, to harm myself. But so I wanted to begin to resolve some of the uh, challenging relationships, so I was able so I could move on with my life. They had already moved on. They were already doing their thing. So now it's time for me to choose to do that and to allow the pain of my past to not allow it to choose it to, be, to determine my present joy or my hope for the future. So we begin to meet with uh, some of these individuals to begin to communicate forgiveness and to be able to re uh, reconcile relationships. So yes, bad things happen to good people. In Matthew 5.45 it says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But staying in unforgiveness will destroy you body, mind, and soul. The forgiveness journey is not about who is right and who is wrong. Forgiveness has nothing to do with morality. It has everything to do with freedom. You are probably totally right with the person that you're thinking about right now that has wounded you. You are probably all the way in the morality side. But if it's eating you up with anxiety, you're still the one that's losing. You're not winning. You are totally losing, and it is not going to end well for you, and you are going to continue to suffer. On John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, then you may have it more abundantly. If the devil cannot send you to hell, which I believe most of you that are, are if you've already accepted Christ, then you are, your, your future is set, that you are moving forward with Christ. But if he can't destroy, destroy you from a eternal damnation, then he will do his best to make this life as miserable and unproductive as possible. If you live in unforgiveness, then you will never be able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, constantly share Christ with unbelievers, nor enjoy the blessing that God wants to give to you. So we have to make this choice to not live in this. Let me share one more story, not about me, uh, that may help you relate to this even a little bit better. So I have this friend, her, let's think of her name as Susie, and she, um, like some people, just really became infatuated with a high school sweetheart. And um, right as they were concluding high school, she gets pregnant. 18 years old, she's pregnant, and uh, they soon get married soon after that. They have another child. Uh, soon after that and start their life together. And they think everything's going well. And then a few years into it, this guy revealed himself of being a real, really a bum. Uh, one specific story, one time she, she, she knew he was going to a strip club, and so she snuck in the strip club and caught him, and he still blamed it on her. Crazy. So then eventually they get divorced, and um, Susie... Um, meets the man of her dreams. He whisked her out of New Orleans. She had grown up in New Orleans, been there her whole life, and she has the best time of her life. She's living in uh, a really beautiful area of Alabama, really living the dream. She has her two children she's caring for. She's a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she had been working to make ends meet to keep her bum of her husband uh, straight, and she's also caring for his two children. So they're having a wonderful time. Well, they, they still are, never get married, and things 
transition, she moves a little bit closer back to New Orleans in a little town uh, right outside, actually on the Mississippi side of New Orleans. And she's working again, whatever, they had some financial challenges, and she collapses at work. And one of her friends from work rushes her to the hospital. They bring her to this hospital, and I know clearly where it is, and I, I believe the story totally. They, she's not seen for six hours in, the, in front of the emergency room at all. So her friend gets frustrated. They go to another hospital 20 miles away. They admit her, and they say, oh, you, you are really in bad shape. We need you to do, oh, there we go. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, we need to do an emergency uh, hysterectomy right now. Well, her, her fiancé still has not shown up. They've been, they're engaged, but he still hasn't shown up. And just at this particular time, it just so happens that Susie's two children are with their father for, the, for a holiday, for a break. And for some reason, this very committed fiancé of about five or six years decides he's going to leave Susie with his two kids while she's in the hospital. Unbelievable. On top of that, he takes their only car and proceeds to destroy Susie's credit by getting that car repossessed. Susie moves back home with her parents and her two children at 31 years old. So now depression begins to overtake her. And one day she wakes up and realizes, hey, I don't want to live anymore. I'm ready to end it all. She goes to work that day. She's in great depression. And her business decides that they're going, they're building an orphanage in Hyderabad, India. And they're drawing out of the hat anyone who chooses to want to go to be the representative for the grand opening of this orphanage. And so they ask her, hey, Susie, do you want to be in the drawing? It's a free trip. Just, you know, if you get picked, you get to go. She says, well, what do I have to lose? And so she puts her name in the hat, and they do the drawing, and the GM, the, the general manager of the store, pulls her name out of the hat. So on the day that she had decided that she no longer wanted to live, God gave her a, an unbelievable gift, gift of hope. She goes on this trip. She meets all of these orphans, 30 of which were taken from the city dump there in Hyderabad, India, that they had been dropped off by their parents in the city dump to forage for food because that was the most um, merciful thing to do for these children because the parents had no money or no resources to be able to feed them. So allowing them uh, to live there was the most loving thing they could do. So she meets these children, many of which had never had their own clothes. They had been, just, they had been running around naked at the city dump. And so now she has a whole new reason to live, and God encounters her, and she comes to really understand what it means to be able to be a child of God through, these, through the eyes of these children and the other 20 that we were also able to help um, in building this orphanage. So now Susie has this whole new reason to live, a whole new reason to be able to believe, hey, God, you really know where I am. And so I don't know exactly where you are on the forgiveness spectrum today. You may be thinking, man, Ben, I think this is a good story, and I appreciate you being honest and transparent. Hopefully you do. But this doesn't really apply to me because I'm way past that, and, you know, and I'm pretty sure that I'm never going to get offended ever again, and I'm never going to have any problems. I hope you're right. 
But some of you may be right in the middle of it. Maybe it's a family deal. Maybe it's something with, uh, maybe it's something at church. Maybe it's something at your workplace. Are you walking in forgiveness? Just realizing that you need to forgive someone or many someones like me, that is the first step to being able to be free. Or have you been fighting the decision to forgive? That you maybe you've decided, you know what, I think I like rat poison. I thought I did for a season. You may think it tastes great, but it will destroy you. One last scripture in John 16, verses 33, uh, the second half of it, it says, In this world you will have trouble, but be encouraged. I have won the battle over the world. So as we wrap up this time together, and I, I'm, after I pray, I have one other thing I want to share with you just as a bit of information. Um, but as, as we wrap up this time together, if you would, if you'd just bow your heads for just a minute, I, as, I, as you might have guessed, this has been a, a, a two-and-a-half-year cycle for me, uh, oh, excuse me, almost three, over three years now. I can't even keep track. And so I'm so thankful to be on the other side. And all I would like for any, if, even if it's only a few of you, if you could just start this journey it will be the greatest opportunity for freedom that I could ever give to any person, just the, the experiences that God has uh, walked me through. So if, if you could bow your heads for just a moment, and if there's anybody here, you say, hey, Ben, can you just pray for me? I'm somewhere on the forgiveness spectrum, and I need some help with that, and I just, just would love for God to be able to speak to me some clear direction like he did in my case with my friend Van. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick? Yeah. Yep, lots of hands. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. All right, let's pray together. If you happen to be close to somebody who raised their hand, if you want to put your hand next uh, on their shoulder, that would be such a great thing to be a great friend uh, and encouragement uh, to them as well. If not, we're agreeing, all of us on this hill together. God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to believe that you, because of what you did on the cross, you want to take all of the pain out of our heart. You want to be able to take all of the bitterness that is so easily entrapped in us and choose to restore the freedom that you died on the cross for. And God, we make the choice today to identify the people that we need to forgive if we need to make a list, let's, we will make a list and begin the process of one by one by one choosing to pray for them until we can bless them, until we can truly forgive them where there's no pain attached to anything that happened in the past. God, I just pray for boldness, for determination, for consistency, to not allow any of us to get stuck in the rut of unforgiveness, but choosing to be free the way you intended us for when you died on the cross for our sins. We choose to understand, once again, that it's not for our detriment that you get put as challenges, but it's to build our character so that we can be the ministers that you have called us to be to all of our surrounding communities, to all the people we're connected to around the world. We ask your blessing on every single life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two last things real fast. If uh, Number one, 
next uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m. here in Woods 2, my dear friend Kevin Rue is going to be speaking here. It would be such a great honor if you could join me. He's one of our amazing creation uh, team members, been working with us for over 10 years. He has an amazing Bible knowledge, and he has a great message planned for us tomorrow. The last is, if you ever wanted to visit, anybody want to visit New Orleans anytime soon? Anybody want to come visit me? Okay, so I have an amazing outreach that we do at our local church called Answering the Cry. It happens February 9th through the 13th. It's a Mardi Gras outreach. That's why I have this shirt on. It says Mardi Gras. Uh, this was our shirt from this last from 2017. If you would like information, it is the most amazing mission trip that you can do for $400. You get there, and it costs $400, and you will be fed, housed, ministry there in the city of New Orleans um, during Mardi Gras to see more lives transformed in a dramatic way than you could ever, ever imagine. So my friend Schaefer here is from our church as well. If you'd like to come talk to either one of us about answering the cry, we would so love to get you some more information. Thank you all so much. You have a great rest of the day here at Creation Festival. Thank you for being so attentive and for coming to join us today. Be blessed. Thank you so much.